good afternoon. I haven't done one of these afternoon ones in a while. Uh, I can see there are a couple of people on Twitch. I can see uh, someone keeps flitting back and forth on YouTube. Uh, hopefully numbers will will give a, a go up as the afternoon goes on. But welcome to a, a special episode of Descent Media Interviews. Uh, I'm calling it Travel in the Age of Covid. And my guest today is Mike Huxley of the bemused backpacker.com. Now, I, I've, I've wanted to speak to some travel bloggers in a while, uh, for a while because um, it's, it's a very contentious topic at the moment as to who should or who can or, or why they should travel. And Mike's perspective is, is almost unique in that he is not only a travel aficionado, a travel blogger who has worked with many media outlets in the past, uh, he is also an advanced, is it an advanced or a senior nurse practitioner? Uh, it's it's both. You can call me both. Senior nurse is fine. Advanced nurse practitioner is is another rank. I've held the the rank of clinical leads as well. So uh, any one of them. But yeah, senior nurse is is absolutely fine. That covers all of it. So you are a qualified medical professional, could we say? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's 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 good. So um, first of all, Mike, thank you for for agreeing to do this conversation. Welcome to Descent Media Interviews. And um, no, let's let's get right into it. I, I I'd like like for the people to know who you are, what you do, and why you do it. All right. Well, um, thanks for that great introduction there. Anyway, um, as you've already said, my name is Mike Huxley. I have been uh, traveling the world now for over twenty years. I've been to over one hundred and twenty countries. I'm a professional travel traveler. Um, I've over the years, I've managed to turn that passion into my business. Uh, I started the blog, uh, Bemused Backpacker, over, well, around about 10 years ago now. You can see um, it on the screen now. That, yeah, and built that into a successful business, and, and that's what I do for a living now. But on top of that, I'm also, like you said, a qualified nurse. And that has um, informed a lot of, of what I write about, a lot of what I do on the site. I write a lot about travel health. Um, talk a lot about it with my own online travel clinic as well. Um, so I've just been looking at that, and that that is something that's so interesting to me. Is you you have the ability, you have an online travel clinic, and you have the ability to at least and and the qualification to give some kind of travel health advice, which uh, most most you know mum and pop travel bloggers they've got no idea. And and so this is like I said, this is why I wanted you on the show because your perspective is is so unique. Well, I, th I think there are a few others out there, um, but th there certainly aren't many. Um, you know, I know I know a couple of doctors, a couple of other nurses who, who've done this, um, but very few actually um, talk about about travel health as part of what they do within the travel blogging. Um, so that there are a few, but not many. It's it's absolutely brilliant, and and um, I I first came across Mike um, speaking thanks to our friend of the show David Nolan StopCommonPass.org because you've been doing some Twitter Spaces with him and getting into conversations. Yeah, um, yeah. and they have been so refreshing. They have been they have been. It may be confirmation bias in my view, but to actually hear. A, a, 
a nurse practitioner, a senior nurse practitioner, um, speaking sense. It's 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 just been it's been so refreshing. Um, and, and, and well, I think on, on that point, I don't think I'm I'm saying anything that is particularly controversial. I'm I'm just talking about what has been the norm in medicine mm-hmm. for decades. What uh, we all trained under in terms of medical ethics. What um, traditional established pandemic response was before all of this. This is all I've been saying, and it's only I, I think controversial in a way because for the past two years all of that has been ignored flipped on its head and a lot of people in charge have been making things up as they go along oh i Um, i I wholeheartedly agree but but it's in terms of um established medical practice in terms of established pandemic response nothing that i've been saying is particularly controversial i I Um, agreed Anyone qualified knows knows this. Anyone qualified in infection prevention control, for example, um, knows what I've been saying is absolutely right. But whilst um, I'm not qualified in those things, and I'm, I, I don't, I don't claim to be a health professional. I don't claim to be a doctor. I'm just a man that asks questions uh, and has conversations. But, but what I am also am is a person that can read. And uh, I've, I've, I, from what I have read, and I have read established pandemic response plans, and I have read formative data, and I can form interpretations. And from what you're saying, you you make complete sense because I, I can read and I can interpret things, and just, just, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare to want to give medical advice to anybody. That's not my position. That's not my job. But what 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 I what I will do is is read, interpret, and form an opinion. And and what you're saying it it just speaks speaks to sense. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing. I think one of the things that's been lost over the over the last couple of years is common sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and people have gone absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think part part of that is fear, and you know the the, the mainstream media has put the fear of God into everyone, um, and the, some of it is is propaganda, and, and people don't know what to read. So I mean, I've had people on on social media throw mainstream media headlines at me, say, "Look, this is proof I'm right." So, no, it's not. No, it's, <laughs> not. It's, it's a mainstream media headline. That is not a qualification. You can't. You can't. You can't compare the two. Stop well, it. Well, um, also, as as you know, an independent member of the media myself, I would never call the things that I say proof of me- medical medical things. I'm not a medical expert. I am just simply able, like I said, to read and interpret and form an opinion. Mm. And I I will always, always differentiate between a fact and an opinion. And I won't speak a fact unless I can confirm that fact uh, with medical experts, for example. Yeah. Um, but, the but, problem is, I think a lot of the mainstream media don't do that. They don't do um, that, no. You know, they're very, very careful in the, in the way they wear things. They're very good at... Um, putting a lot of 
scaremongering out there and, and putting a big headline out there without actually calling it a fact. No, because they use um, words like may and could. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the general population doesn't d- discriminate between between that. They just see that headline and go, well, that's it. Like I said, it's confirmation bias. A lot of yeah. them will just seek out the headlines that confirm what they already think they know. And the thing is, um, we, we on this side of the aisle, so to speak, are guilty of that too. Everybody is guilty of that. Everybody, everybody is. Everybody is. I mean, what, what are the, I think, you know, one of the first things I learned in college many, many years ago now um, was how to look at information from a non-biased point of view, look at both sides and, and sort of um, look through the... the through the rubbish basically yeah you have to do that and and you know what that's what i have tried to do throughout all of this that's what i've tried to do is yeah there is misinformation on one side but there is also misinformation on this side and it's yeah. you need to root it out and find out where the truth lies um yeah. and that's why that's why i've come to you because i i believe you're more qualified to tell me where the truth lies uh, especially in some medical instances than than many other people um and and let's let's just dial it back a minute and and go back to you as a person um why did you why did you decide this was the life for you um what in, in terms of of travel um, and then, and then, was was the nurse practitioner thing uh, after the travel began, or was it was it before? It, it was, yeah. Um, I like I said, I started travelling um, over twenty years ago now. Um, like most people, took my first gap year to Southeast Southeast Asia, went to Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, did the whole banana pancake trail, um, and I just never stopped. Basically, I. I I fell in love with travel. It I, is addictive. I, it is. And, it, it you know, I, I wanted more. Um, I, I kept traveling. And it wasn't always um, long term. I, I took gap years. I took snap years. I, I came back, saved up, did a bit of work, saved up, traveled again. And I, I mean, when I, when I started traveling, I'd already, I finished my first degree mm. uh, when I started traveling. And after a few years, decided uh, to go back and do my second degree in, in nursing. Um, so by then, travel was already a big part of my life. It was a big part of who I am and, and, and my identity. Um, so even though I decided on on a career, that was still always going to be a part of, of, of my life. So I did my nursing degree qualified in that um, worked as a nurse for a bit and then travelled for a bit as well so uh, I mean, it, w- it wasn't always a big uh, block it wasn't always six months of working six months of travel, I did a bit of work travelled, did a bit of work, travelled and one of the benefits of having a, an in-demand skill like nursing is you can, you've got the power to do that you can yeah. go to your boss and say, you know, I want a sabbatical, I want time off, I want unpaid time off. And if you don't give it to me, I can quit, travel the world for as long as I want, and know damn well I can come back and get a job like that. Absolutely. Um, and, and that that independence and that power to 
take control of your own life and, and live the life that you want. Um, I've been very blessed in, in, that, in that respect, really. So, like I said, I, I worked some, as an extra bit. Some would say blessed, and, and someone like me would say that you you worked very, very hard to, to get to the, the goal oh, that yeah. you wanted to achieve. Oh, I, I, I totally agree. I, I worked my arse off to basically do what I do. Um, and, and, and it was a very, very conscious choice to do to do that because I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I, I, I wasn't going to be stuck, um, you know, working basically. And, and, and you know, there's so many that now. so many people that do. Uh, there's so many people that do want to do what you do, and they'll start like a YouTube channel and and stuff like that, and they just won't get anywhere. They won't be successful, and therefore they won't be able to afford to keep funding the traveling. Um, well, well, that's that's the thing. I mean, I I, I didn't start the travel blog until. I, I, I was already traveling for 10 years, maybe maybe a little bit more, actually. Um, so I, unlike a lot of people, I didn't start traveling, start the travel blog straight away mm. and then use it as a, as, a, as a form of, this is what I'm doing, this is a, a journal of my travels. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd been traveling for years, I, I was nursing for a long time, and then... One day, I decided very specifically to um, to start the blog as a business because uh, I was already a, a published author. I, I'd written novels um, and I'd written I'd just written a few travel books as well. I can so see on your website. I can see yeah, on your website that you have some travel books, don't you? Yeah. So it started out as a way to promote them. Basically, I started it as a business, and it, it grew over ten years from that. Um, it got bigger and bigger, and I got more and more audience. I did more and more things. I worked with um, tourism boards and brands all over the world, and I ran it as a business from day one and built it up to what it is today. And that eventually allowed me to leave nursing uh, yeah. behind. Quite, it was a good few years ago now, um, and this is what I do full time now. But my qualification still informs a lot of what I do with the travel writing and, and everything else. Well, I can but, see that, and you do have you do have sessions available for people to get nursing or health travel advice off you. Um, yeah. On on your website, and and I I think that's a, a brilliant service to offer. Actually, um, I I have been maybe a a cavalier traveller, so to speak, uh, in that I've never bought myself travel insurance despite being a disabled man. Never done it. Um, and and also, I a lot of the time, I like to just... Uh, well, before I had kids, anyway, um, I, I just like to, to, to travel at the drop of a hat. So I'd literally wake up one morning and go, oh, I feel like going somewhere, book it and go. Um, that Best same day... Here best way to do it I've, I've had some of my best adventures that way yeah absolutely it, it is it is it is a lot of fun i mean now that i am a family man with no money um <laughs> i i can uh i can't i can't do that anymore but it is lovely to live some of these travels through the eyes of others and uh yeah. see, see these places and I, I i don't think despite the fact I might end up completely immobile in a wheelchair, like full time. I don't think I'll ever stop having that bug to just go somewhere and go places yeah. and see places. And 
um, and also being a disabled man, when I was uh, when before I did any of this, I used to do writing and videos uh, about travel myself or on YouTube, but from the perspective of accessibility, from from the perspective of what what people can and can't do and what could be improved. Um, and and that was a passion for me, and it still is. It still is a passion for me. So I really do yeah. get where you're coming from. And um, once it's in you, you can't get it out. You yeah, can't. yeah, it's it's true. And and you know, there are people that just like to go on the occasional holiday. Uh, I I hate being at home. You know, I hate being at yeah. home. I like I like just seeing places, immersing myself in places. Probably not eating their food because I'm the fussiest eater on earth. But <laughs> but you know, immersing myself in cultures, uh, seeing places, going somewhere different. Uh, and I'm also an adrenaline junkie as well. So if they've got something that can uh, can uh, peak my adrenaline, I'm there. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, the, that's the thing about um, what I do and what I tell people is that anyone can do what I do if they, if they want to. Anyone can do what um, we're doing, what I'm doing right now. You know. Yeah. <laughs> anyone can do anything they want to do. All they have to do is make a plan, make a goal. And do it. Yeah, it's just easier. It's easier said than done. So that that was the other thing I was going to get to. Have you had to sacrifice much in your life to get to the position you are? Um, I, th I think yes and no. I mean, I, I don't really consider them sacrifices in, in, in a sense. Um, but I think I think when I first started travelling. Obviously, a lot, of, a lot of my mates um, were going out every Saturday night. They were getting drunk, mm. uh, having wild weekends. Um, but that's mine. I never, I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong, I'm not a monk. I, I went out as well, but just not every weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so I sacrificed a lot of that. Um, when I was a lot younger, a lot, a lot of, I mean, I, I saw, you know, the, the, the people I grew up with, my friends, uh, settle down, uh, buy a house, have, have the two point four kids. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that, um, you know, because my priorities were different. And you know, uh, you get looked at a little bit weird sometimes when you don't want to follow that normal path. Oh, no, I, I, even though I have followed that normal path, I, I have a wife, I have yeah. two kids, and stuff like that. I am beyond. I, I'm not a normal person. Okay, and but but that that is something I wanted, but it's also something like for for example, I keep begging my wife to sell everything we own, buy a motorhome, and just let's all go. Why not? I I would love that. I would love that. But my my wife, she's a you know she's a house hermit. She she wants to make her nest, make her home. <laughs> and, okay. Yeah, it's hard, and, and that's the thing. It, it, I mean, it's it's not for everyone, and that's fine too. You know, it's. I mean, everyone has different priorities. Everyone has different um, wants and, and well, exactly. Yeah. That's perfectly fine. And you have um, to compromise. You know, so, so yeah, so that, that's what I mean. I, I don't consider a lot of that. I mean, not going out and getting drunk every weekend wasn't a big deal for me because I knew that all the money I could spend could get me a week on a beach in in Thailand. You know, so that that's the thing. So I have sacrificed in that respect, but I don't really consider them sacrifices. No, um, I, I get that. I think, the, I think the biggest one was um, 
you know, for, for a long time, especially in, I mean, I'm, I'm 42 now, so I'm getting on quite Oh, you're bit. looking good on it, sir. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, especially in my um, mid to late 20s and early 30s when um, a lot of my friends were, were getting houses and, and settling down, there were times I thought, you know, it would be nice to own my own home and, you know, get get my house and, and, and have have those things. Um, but, but like, like I said, my, my priorities were just other other things at the time. Yeah. But now that I am in my 40s, I have bought my own house. This business has allowed, allowed me to buy my own house. Um, so, you know, it's it was more like a deferred thing in, instead of a sacrifice in, in that respect. Okay, no, I, I get that. And uh, I, I think... I think that that might be an interesting way to, to segue to uh, how your life has changed as a traveller in the last two years. Oh, God. It's, it's like um, the, probably the best analogy is a, a, an absolute car crash. Do you have that scene in, in, in Blues Brothers, the original Blues Brothers? Yeah. They just get car crash after car crash after car crash after car crash. Yeah. That's been the last two years. And I think that's been the last two years for everyone. So you know, I'm I'm not I'm not the only one. <laughs> I mean, I I I did continue because I was in France uh, when when Emmanuel Macron announced their first lockdown, and I watched it live on TV. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I did was get in my car and shoot for the Euro Tunnel. I was like, I'm not staying here. Um, and I, I remember that scramble very well. <laughs> and and <laughs> and um. I think we got like another six or seven days of not being locked down here before Boris ended it to us. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think right, right at the start, I was in Abu Dhabi just just before the first lockdown. I arrived back in the UK um, the day we locked down. So I, I missed that, that sort of period by, by a day. Um, but I was due to, go, to fly out the next day to Italy. Right. Um, obviously, just got cancelled, um, and and since then I've had. I mean, from, from a personal point of view, my my, my personal travels, um, a lot of that has has changed. A lot of that has has been cancelled. A lot of it's been very different. There's places that I haven't been able to go to. Places that I've had to go to instead. Um, from a professional level, the the travel campaigns that I was working on. Um, basically just got wiped out and cancelled overnight. They all dried up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I at the beginning of 2020, um, I had about 50 grand's worth of, of of campaigns planned out throughout the year. Right. Um, disappear like that um, because of the lockdowns, because of the uncertainty, because the brands, um, you know, they didn't want to go ahead with 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 any work when they didn't know what was happening or and what was because of going the, to happen. Because of the nature of your business, was there was there much or even any government recourse financially? No, no not at all. I mean, the, the, the so-called help that they were giving out in terms of um, business grants and, and things like that, um, I didn't, you know, they, they didn't apply to me. Uh, because of the way I run my business, oh, uh, they, they were very, 
I think that they were very sneaky in the way they sort of put the terms and conditions in and said it can only apply to very specific types of, of business. So a lot of people got furloughed, a lot of people, um, you know, got grants and help. So not not for, not for independent businesses like that. In that breath, were you okay or did you struggle massively? Um, well, I, I struggled a lot. I was I was okay in terms of I had savings. Yeah. Um, I had uh, some income coming in still from from books and, and um and things like that, and and I got some work for, from from the site. Um. I mean, I, I know a lot of um, a lot of travel bloggers who, who didn't run who run it more like a traditional travel blog, um, basically just crashed and burned. I'm um, not, I'm not shocked. Yeah, a lot of where there's any more, um, especially because a lot of them used the the sort of models where um, they were very reliant on traffic, mm-hmm. um, and as soon as travel traffic dried up, so did their income. Yeah. Um, I, I was sort of lucky in the sense that my income streams were a lot more diverse than that. Um, so I, di- I did struggle a lot, but at the same time, I managed to keep it going as well. Um, so I was a lot luckier than most, I think. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you were able to, to keep your head above water, so to speak. But the fact that they, the fact that they just, they abandoned you, they abandoned, I think it was 3 million people in your situation. Um, yeah. And they, they just aba- abandoned you on the flimsiest, the flimsiest, uh, I would say, lack of, in my view, evidence that any of it was even ever necessary. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. I mean, I, I know for a fact there was no evidence it was no. necessary. No. And, and as, I mean, I, I sort of I try and stop myself from becoming bitter about it. Yeah. Um, but but I, but oh, I, I admit think you've got I, a right to be. I am. Yeah, but I am very angry still, and um, that basically I had a very successful business, and on absolutely no clinical evidence, None. no clinical reason at all, the government just shut it down and yeah. said. Screw you, we're not helping you. I mean, I've been trying um, to explain to people for nearly two years that a model is not clinical data. It is a, it's a guess. Yeah, it, it's it's political point scoring more than anything. That's what it was all based on. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, mean I, I don't remember whether you remember back in back at the start of 2020 when, when this first happened. Um Boris Johnson was very much going on the traditional models. He uh, was, yeah. He, he was, you know, going around saying, you'll all be fine. It's a serious disease. We're looking after those who need it looking after. You just said we've got to take but it I'll on the chin, I believe was his words. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go to hospitals. I'll shake hands. I'll be fine. Everyone will be fine. Don't worry. But then all of a sudden, it just changed like that. Exact polar opposite, and went into extreme authoritarian measures. What do overnight. you think forced that change in the man? I, th- I think uh, a few things. I think the biggest one was um, was basically just copying what everyone else was doing. Yeah. Um, China took the extreme shutdown option, and then everyone, Italy took the extreme shutdown option. Spain took the extreme shutdown option. The rest of Europe did. So 
I think because of that, and the, and the, me, the media scaremongering and terrifying everyone, mm-hmm. there was a lot of calls for him to lock down harder and faster than everyone else. And that's it. That's essentially what they did. So I've um, heard, a, I've I've heard a, a phrase, and that is, it is that Boris Johnson governs by Twitter, and uh, I think that that could hold some weight. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's not exactly wrong. I think he governs by um, populism. Mm. I, th- I think is is more accurate. Um, but it, but he does fit for. And, and you know, at, at the start of it, I mean, I was under the impression uh, when he got in that he was um, a libertarian. But he's shown um, in, the, in the last two years that he's anything but. I'm every sense uh, he, of the word a libertarian, and he horrifies me. Yeah, I, I am. I am myself. I'm, I'm very much a classical libertarian, yeah, a classical libertarian. And and I thought that's what Boris Johnson was. You know, a, a lot of the stuff he wrote before that, a lot of the stuff um, that he did as a London mayor, and um, you know, very much was in that vein. Um, but it, what he's shown to be in, in the last two years is very much um, he goes with what he thinks will make him look popular. Yeah. Uh, he wants to please everyone all the time. He's not a leader in any way, shape or form. He, you know, he's, he's a disgrace to Parliament in this country. Um, I think that... I can't disagree with you. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very disappointed in it. And, and I think that, um, you know, what, what he did, um, which was what a lot of governments did around the world, to be fair, was basically just follow the trend of everyone just locking down harder and faster, and you know. But and I think a lot of people forget that before, um, before that happened, before everyone started locking down, we had all of these um, pandemic response guidelines in place. We had action plans in place for this. We, we, you know, we were all trained in how to deal with emergencies like this. You know, we had. Uh, the World Health Organization's um, Health Emergencies Programme. We had the International Health Regulations of 2005. Um, we had the uh, Asia-Pacific Strategy for Emerging Diseases and Public Health Emergencies. We had the uh, the PIP uh, framework, the, um, the Pandemic Influenza uh, Preparedness Framework. Um, and from that, we had um, things like Exercise Cygnus, which was basically, um, I think it was 2016, um, that was that was basically a war game for all the for the NHS to prepare for right. uh, a pandemic of this scale, and um, you know, so we had all of these things in place. We knew how to deal with a pandemic of this scale. Uh, I mean, actually, exercise sickness actually modelled itself on uh, numbers far far greater than. Than anything even Ferguson. Cor- correct me if I'm wrong here as well, because I've I, I've seen the argument thrown. Oh well, I've had the argument thrown at me um, time and time again that that all of the pandemic preparedness response we had done was in response to an influenza pandemic, right? And that 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 is kind of true, okay? But, it, it, it's absolutely true. But but and and I do caveat that here because. As far as I'm aware, um, a respiratory illness is a respiratory illness, and the respiratory pandemics spread in the same way. Uh, to, similar, to an yeah, there, there, are, 
there, there are slight differences. But course. there aren't enough <laughs> differences to take all of those preparedness plans and just burn them. No. The, the, the thing is, I mean, the the pandemic influenza preparedness program, it, 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 they're absolutely correct in, in one respect that a lot of these were modelled on influenza because influenza at the time, and actually still is, the, the most likely um, disease to, to become a pandemic. I agree. So out, out of all, all, all the models that they, that they did, all the all the um, preparedness that they did, influenza was and is the most likely pandemic. It's still likely to be the next pandemic, most likely to be the next pandemic. So a lot of the models were based on that. But that doesn't mean that, that those preparedness programmes can't be extrapolated to others. Um, like, like you said, a lot of the... Um, a lot of respiratory illnesses are very similar. Yeah. Influenza, for example, is a very different disease from uh, from COVID from COVID nineteen uh, from SARS CoV two. I I, and, see, and I, I, I don't well. dis, I see I don't disagree, and and all of these people that say to me it's not the flu, bro, is what people like to say to me. Um, but but, 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 I, but I had this as well thrown at me is because like, I said at the start they can be compared to very very similar. You know, it's almost the same. And everyone's like, oh, but it's not the flu. No, but it's like it. it and, is, yeah. you know, even though they are very, very different diseases, they are very similar in the risk of the disease. They're very similar in the way they present. They're very similar in the way they are treated. They are very similar in the way they are dealt with. They are very similar in the way they should be prepared for. Yeah, and so in the way they transmit as well. Exactly. So you, you, you can take um, a pandemic preparedness program for influenza and very, very easily use it for any respiratory illness. Yeah. You know, there's no real difference. I mean, a and, lot, and I, mean, I, still, even... I, I said this to you before we, we came live, but I, I also want to go back to a statement that Dr. Anthony Fauci made at the White House podium in which he said that there has never in the history of respiratory uh, epidemics been an outbreak driven by a person without symptoms. Uh, and no, I believe that to be true healthy. to this day. Yeah, because those are healthy people. We, we, we don't impose restrictions or, 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 or anything on healthy people. I mean, one of the ridiculous, one one of the most ridiculous things that I keep, I can't rack my brains around. Um, at this point, I mean, before before they started hammering travel, okay, um, I flew to France and back. Um, in in August of two thousand and twenty, I did not wear a mask on the plane, despite um, you know, the the rules saying 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 you should. I I just presented an exemption lanyard, and I was very polite to them, and they said. You know, absolutely. I mean, I'm a disabled man. I've also got autism. Um, I said, I don't want to wear this. Uh, it, it will affect me physically and mentally. And they were absolutely brilliant with me. In fact, they gave me the front row on an easy jet plane. So, uh, <laughs> and they bought and they purchased me two cans of Coke throughout the flight. And I thought, Jesus Christ, your wallets. <laughs> I mean, if you, you've ever bought a can of Coke on an easy jet plane, you'll understand but um yeah but but at that time when there was no vaccination and we were supposedly at the you know the height of of a pandemic i was able to get on a plane fly to france i had to sign a little form that said i don't have the rona and everything was normal now 
now but let's go back to masking on a plane because even though we have these ridiculous stringent travel regs for most countries at the moment so for example i want to go to the united states i have to be double soon to be triple vaccinated i have to test negative within within 24 hours to board the plane so i've done those things i've proved very clearly that i do not have this respiratory virus in my system and then they say well you've got to put mask on on the plane where's the sense in that there is no sense and and this is the thing from, from the start and again we're going to get all the people on social media screaming at you that masks work and they'll throw up a, a mainstream media headline that i mean i followed i followed about 20 well i've read about 25 peer-reviewed scientific studies from the last four decades and there are more that say not only do fabric masks in a public setting not reduce the spread of influenza type illnesses uh, they can in many many examples make it worse yeah well i mean this is the thing all of the mask mandates are ridiculous i've never worn a mask either because it goes against all of my training yeah um, i'm trained in infection prevention control i'm qualified in it and, and do, do you know, people always say to me, why do surgeons wear them, bro? And uh, they wear them to stop <laughs> stop, stop blood spatter, essentially. But Because, and, because surgical theatre isn't the street. And, and, but, but not only that, I can actually give you two examples. So both of my children were born by a caesarean section. I, I was in the room both times. My son was born by emergency caesarean section. There were surgeons. There were anaesthetists, there were midwives, and in, in the case of my daughter, there were surgical students in the room as well. Um, this is an yeah. operating theatre. This is, this is quite an invasive operation as well, to be fair. And yet the surgeons, myself, who was in the room, midwives, anaesthetists, and the students, nobody wore a mask. Nobody. No, that's normal. That's, that's pretty normal. Because what, what, what I think most people don't realise is that all infection prevention control protocol all infection prevention control best practice for as long as as i trained in for way longer than that as well yeah is that masks are only to be worn in very clinical uh, in clinical settings for specific clinical tasks and using aseptic technique they have never and I mean, never been recommended for the mass, for the general public at all, no. ever. They, they've been advised against for the general public because, quite frankly, the general public are filthy. They do not use aseptic technique. They will make the masks, masks themselves an infection source. Um, the, just the, by doing this. Yeah. The second I mean, they I'll, do I'll, this. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a story just to disgust a lot of people. Yeah, um, I'll go for it. Because I've got, I've got one for you after, actually. Oh, go on. But I think I think you first. A lot, a lot of people have forgotten that there are other diseases than COVID nineteen out there, and one one of there are, there are a lot of diseases where a common route is the fecal oral route, where basically you go around touching things, you get fecal matter from everyone on your hands, yeah. you put it to your mouth, and you'll get diarrhea you'll get you'll get norovirus you'll get a, a bunch of other illnesses and i was sat in an airport uh, I, th I think it was not long after the mass mandates came in 
And I, I saw it. Do you know the way in, in some airports where you get the, the, the bathrooms off to, to each side yeah. of, the, of the seat in the and then you get the sinks in the middle? I saw three guys, one after the other, all come out of the bathroom, completely ignore the sinks to wash their hands, mm-hmm. and start fiddling with the masks. Mm-hmm. So great, now those masks have got fecal matter, urine all over them, yep. and they're putting them on the tables, they're wiping uh, things with them, they're putting them in the pockets, they're not washing their hands, so they're touching everything else. And these things are supposed to be stopping the spread the spread of disease and viruses. Yes. You know? They're contributing they not, to they, it. They are, yeah, they are not built for that. And the World Health Organization's uh, Health Emergencies Program, which is what a lot of the pandemic response is, is based on, and bear in mind, this is for extreme emergencies. Yeah. It's not for every, everyday advice. This is for extreme pandemic emergency. Do not recommend masks for general public use. No, they never don't. They, they say they are only useful in clinical settings mm-hmm. if someone if someone is sick um, or someone is looking after someone is sick, then they can put a mask on in a, in an extreme circumstance. But the evidence is extremely limited, and at best, it will only have a mechanistic effect. And do you know so, what? Um, when pubs and restaurants reopened for the first time in in the United Kingdom in 2020, I believe it was July 2020. Yeah. The the guidance uh, issued by the government, the document issued by the government, had that very thing written in it. We do not recommend yeah. masks in your establishments for the general public because uh, the 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 evidence is weak and uh, the the benefit would be negligible essentially. Yeah. Um, and, and, and at that time, you saw all all of the uh, all of the government, all of the experts uh, who came onto the media, Jenny Harry, Chris Whitty. Yeah, they all stated what was at the time established best practice for IPC for infection prevention yeah. control. This is what we all trained under. This is what we all know as best best practice. This is this is how it works. They all stated that masks. Do not work for this situation. Yeah, they only work in clinical settings using aseptic technique. And so at I've, the time, I've got. I've got. Well, I've, I'm going to say I'll segue now into my story. Um, oh, go on. So my wife's best friend. I I won't I won't name her, but my wife's best friend. They were going to very hot summer's day uh, last summer, and they were going to a ninja warrior. You know. Um, sort of bounce around inflatables active course and i I, let me let me reiterate this by telling you this was a very hot day yeah so they we're 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 about to go into the town and she pulls her mask out from under her left boob inside her bra and and gets it out. and I said to her, please do not put that on your face. I said you're not going to put that on your face, right? She just went and put it on, and I was going because I knew what the hell. I knew exactly what what you've just said here. That that anything that goes on that mask, she is then breathing in. I just couldn't believe it. Like what the hell? Yeah, I mean, I mean to counteract some of the the sort of 
the other side of the extreme um, stories out there. It's it's very unlikely to do you any harm oh. in, in, in that respect. Um, you know, unless, unless you've got very specific comorbidities or, or prescription. I mean, my uh, wife's very, very heavily asthmatic, so I've just told her, st- yeah. stay away. Yeah, there's, there's no point. There's no benefit to it. But for the vast majority, it's very unlikely to do you any harm. Okay. But the, the reason that it came in, um, at the time, I, I remember a, a news story at the time where um, this was, I, I think, just after the first lockdown when they, when they first started coming in. Um, they wanted to get people to go back out to the shops again. They wanted yes. to get people to go uh, back into businesses again. And they terrified people so much they needed a placebo to basically... And do you know, once again, it said it, he said exactly this in official government documents. It said that we are introducing this mandate and it did not mention anything about health benefits. It said to instill confidence in the consumer to return to the shops. Exactly. And somehow that escalated from that, which was like, that's just a stupid plan to this authoritarian, you have to wear a mask at all times or you will be fined, punished, and have Karen screaming at you endlessly. <laughs> how, 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 how did it escalate from that to that? No, it, it makes no sense. And it happened very quickly. Yeah. And then, and then when they when they introduced this, this ridiculous, unnecessary plan B, um, once again, just well, just before that, I believe they reintroduced the mask mandate, and then they reintroduced Plan B. And still, I, I, when they reintroduce and introduce these things, they give us no evidence. They give us no no tangible, real world data on which to because, base because it's not these based things. on evidence. They know it's not based on evidence. They, they know it's not. And um, all, all they are now is it's it's about control and authoritarianism. Yeah. That's all it is. They, they, they've gone to this level and have no way of backing down from it. That's the problem. The only thing they can do is keep going forward with it, and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And, and using masks again as, as an example, um, when they first came out uh, and supermarkets had big, burly security guards oh, yeah. at the entrance, you know, it's like... I, mean, I, I remember one time I walked in without one, and I threatened them with legal action because they, they were they were they were going against uh, they, were, they were breaking the law basically. They had no right to ask anyone for for the for the medical information. They had no right to ask for proof. And this this is why the government and um, this this is I'll, I'll talk about airlines again in a minute. But this is one of the big problems I have with airlines. Yeah. The government very specifically put on their guidelines that um, you know that people have a long, long list of exemptions. That was so wide. Basically, it was a self-set. Yeah, every um, single if, human being in this country could declare themselves exempt. Yeah, if you did not want to wear one for whatever reason, mm-hmm. you were exempt. So it's, it's not simple. really a law, is it? <laughs> no. So... You know, and that could be uh, psychological, it could be physical, it could mm-hmm. be for your mental health, it could be for, you know, whatever reason, that that counted as an exemption. Yes. And they very specifically did that. They very specifically wrote that no one has the right to ask for proof. No one has the right to ask for a, a doctor's uh, letter. 
no one has the right to ask for any medical information whatsoever. And specifically um, said you could show a so show something like an exemption card if that made you feel it, comfortable. If that makes you feel comfortable, yeah. Yes. But if you didn't, no one had the right to ask for or expect it. No. And that was very specifically because they knew they were breaking all sorts of laws Absolutely. by even by even putting that out there. And they didn't want to put, the government didn't want to put themselves in legal trouble. But the problem is a lot of the supermarkets did. That's why they very quickly backed down. I've got a, very got a quickly story removed. there actually. Um my yeah. my own GP surgery tried it on me, tried to refuse me treatment because I uh, uh, a GP surgery. Not not my GP himself. But the, the surgery themselves and the practice manager, my GP, uh, I'm, I'm, oh, probably, so, so I'm probably one of the only people in this country that actually has a doctor's issued mask exemption letter. My GP issued me one. Oh. But, so it's for when I'm in France. Few people got that. The GMC said they shouldn't be handing them out. So I got, I got it for when I was in France. So every time I go to France, if I go over there, I, I have this letter on me. But um, I... My G, so my GP himself wasn't aware of the situation, and he got quite angry actually when 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 it all when it all came to a head. And he said, "Why didn't they just speak to me? Because I would have told them I issued an exemption." But um, it got to a point where uh, I don't know if you know the name Francis Hoare. He's a barrister. Um, he worked with uh, uh, with Simon Dolan and, and people trying to take the government's task over all of this. But he he issued me uh, he issued me a very strongly worded legal letter, which I submitted to the uh, to the surgery, and uh, they they did back down because we would have sued them into oblivion. Yeah, uh, exact same with the supermarkets. You know, and, they oh, back do, down do you know Do you know who Duncan Bannatyne is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he took the GP surgery side and bullied me on Twitter. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that, oh, that, that was that was an experience. So so Duncan Bannatyne said I was putting everybody at risk by being exempt and, and too right they should not let me have medical treatment. And uh, he got called out uh, and and hammered because everybody was saying you, you're bullying a disabled man for being exempt. <laughs> what what are you doing, Mister Multimillionaire? Punching down a bit, aren't you? But 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 you're you're absolutely correct in your assertion that there had to be these exemptions because the the mandate itself broke so many laws. Yeah. And, and, and going back to the airlines, that's what really winds me up about airlines. I mean, air, airlines in general annoy me anyway because they're generally a law unto themselves. They do what they want yes. with impunity to passengers sometimes. And, and that, I, I, I think there should be, in very general terms, a lot more regulation. For oh, see, I agree. I believe they should, once they are working and within then, this country, they need to be bought, especially with things like equalities laws, where this falls. Yeah. So so given what we've just talked about with, with masks, airlines are still just going along with it and saying, no, we're demanding evidence. Yeah. You have no legal right to in this country. Nope. If you fly from this country, you have no legal right to ask for any evidence, ask for any form of proof, nope. ask for anything. If someone says they are exempt, they are exempt. It is that simple. And you have to accept it. If you don't, like I said, you're breaking all sorts of discrimination you laws. And you know. equalities laws, yes. 
Exactly. The, the, the Equalities Act 2010, so the Article you, 21 of the Human Rights Act. So have you managed to fly mask-free since all of this began? Oh, yeah, every flight. Every flight. Um, you know, some of them I've, I've had to jump through the hoops and, and contacted them first and said, I am exempt. Yes. Um, which I disagree with. And mm -hmm. um, I think that that it, it is illegal, that it's absolutely wrong. But when you go to fly, they've got absolute power. Yeah, um, unfortunately, you're right. And see, I didn't, when, when I flew, I didn't contact them in advance because um, I, I just didn't feel I had to. And and secondly, it was, it was August 2020. And... I was I was happy, and I, I and I'm not happy to do this anymore, by the way. But at the time, I was happy to just wear a sunflower lanyard because I'm autistic anyway. Sometimes I wear them in in in, in environments. My son's autistic as well; he wears yeah. one for that reason. But I was happy to wear that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but I was happy to wear that. Um, and I will say, going through the airport, uh, nobody said a word to me. Right, not one person. Yeah. But when I not not even at security or anything. But when I got to because because airports recognise the sunflower almost like gospel. Um, yeah. Uh, but when I got to the gate, they were they they said, sir, you know you have to wear a mask on this flight. And I just I I I was firm, but, but I was fair. I said, look, I am unable to wear a mask. I said I am autistic. I have disabilities. I said. But I need to get on this flight. And I implored to their humanity. I said, look, I'm wearing my lanyard. I said, but if you are going to force me to wear it, you're going to put me in great distress, but I will do it under duress. Yeah. Um, and they they just said, no, sir, you you are absolutely fine. Um, we're happy to accept that. Now, there was another guy on the same flight who ended up being removed from the flight because... He did. He wasn't wearing anything. That's uh, and now I say that's fine. But the way he he was he was vile. He was vile to the to the to the poor uh, stewardess who was just trying to do her job. He got onto. The, he managed to get onto the plane, but he was screaming, "Fuck you! I'm not going to wear a fucking mask." You know, you stupid bitch and stuff like that. And and in that instance, I actually agree. Yeah, I mean, I mean, technically. In, in 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 the in the fact of it, he may be right. Yeah, he but is. the way the way you deal with that is is make, makes the whole makes the difference. There is never an excuse for. Well, I, I I'm speech. always firm, but I'm also very very fair. I just say, look, I'm I'm I I can't do it. I'm not doing it. Um, and I won't put myself in any harm or distress. Uh, for for, for anybody else's benefit. And I'm sorry, but I won't. It's just like, no, I'm, I'm not doing it. I am exempt. This is the law. Mm -hmm. That's all you have to say. And, you know, th there's never an excuse. Because, like you said, they are just people trying to do a job. There's never an excuse for screaming at that. It's, it's a crappy job at the best of times. You know, it's, it's a hard job. They, they don't need that. Um, you know, but at, at, the, at the same time as well, that. You know, it does depend on who you get at the airport and at the and on the plane who 
Oh, absolutely. Um, so, uh, some of them can be just as vile as well. I was lucky you enough like... to get the same flight crew yeah. on the way back, so they already knew. Um, yeah, but but you know, I mean, I've I've seen I've seen the same level of vileness the other way yeah. to look towards messages, and you're like, look, I, I'm I'm the first to say that no. No one deserves to be screamed and shouted at, or no crew deserves that level of abuse. But sometimes you bring it on yourselves as well. Just stop yes. doing this. This is illegal. You know it's illegal. Stop. Yeah. And I can, I can, I can sort of forgive a certain level of fear. You know. At this um, point, I don't know if I can. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's the thing. It's, it's been two years now. At, yeah. at the start, like, look, I can, I can tell you're afraid. I'm a nurse. I'm a, I've been an emergency nurse. I'm used to dealing with this. I can mm-hmm. talk you through it and, you know, deal with this reasonably. Let's just calm you down. That's what yes. You know, the, the, the feeling fear is fine, but, you know, come on. Now it's been two years. There, there's there's no excuse to to, to, to not know this now. Um, but, but, you know, the, there is still a lot of fear out there, and a lot of that is down to, to the media. Um, Well, you say a lot of it is down to the media. I say it's entirely down to the media. And the reason I say that is, yeah, yeah, okay, we have these nudge units that are pushing this propaganda and they are evil. They are vile. Um, I don't think governments should have nudge units. I don't think they should exist in any fashion anyway. But at the same time, the media, their job is to ask questions their job is to ask for evidence their job is to is to make sure that that any of this was ever necessary and all we have seen from them including at the last downing street briefing was lock us down harder daddy yeah because they've got nice cushy media jobs they don't they don't uh you know, they, they don't need to get back to normal and the more they, uh, and, and the more we're locked down the more they get clicks yeah. It's as simple as they, that. They, they love the scaremongering. They they really do. Um yeah, it's 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 just it's wrong on so many levels. I mean, look look at the state of independent sage. You know, oh my why does anyone listen to independent sage? No sh- show me an actual medical clinical qualification on independent sage. They're all behavioural psychologists. Yeah. You know, they're, they're all... <laughs> they're, Susan Michie. I can't remember the name of the woman. There was one... Um, there was one uh, member of Independent Sage who was shouting so long and so hard for more lockdowns Who's who was a paid-up member of, of a socialist party. Susan Michie. Um, I, th- I think that was the. I, c- I can't remember exactly, to be honest with you. But she's she's uh, you know, she's um she's one of the leaders, in fact, in the Communist Party of Great Britain. Susan Mishy. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Communist Party. So of course they want state control. Of course, of course they want more lockdowns. Of course they want all, all things like little things like human rights and informed consent to just disappear. Yep. You know that, that's a, that's political propaganda. That's not clinical advice. <laughs> yeah. You know, go away. No one needs to listen to you. Do you know what terrifies me the most? Like, she's one of the, uh, she might even be one of the only members of Independent Sage that is not, she doesn't only sit on Independent Sage, she sits on actual Sage. Yeah. And that's terrifying. As as, as an 
for someone as a qualified professional, I used to hold Sage in relatively high regard. Yeah. Now I think they have done so much damage to their reputation, they can't come back from it. They've not just done damage thought... to their reputation, they've done damage to the fabric of this society. Yeah, the, the medical profession, the, the, the fabric of society, the you know, the, the media. <laughs> it's just... I mean, now that we've we've seen some we've seen some emails coming out, and I mean, I'm I'm just going to focus on Sir Patrick Valance for a minute, who is very very UK science chief, in fact. And now that we know uh, from Dr. Fauci's emails that Patrick Valance was in a Zoom call in February of 2020 and knew this thing had come from a lab, Hmm. and yet. He 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 didn't think to tell us that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, he, I mean, he, with Fauci has, I don't know how he's not been arrested. I agree. Um, you know, because the, the, the whole from a lab, from a natural. Uh, I mean, for a long time, I was, my gut reaction was that. You know, this is a natural thing because these diseases do occur naturally. See, my gut was it's, always the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Was it? I mean, I mean that's the thing. And I, the, the evidence that I saw, sort of, it, it, gave, it gave me, it left me with the sort of, okay, it's a possibility, yeah. but it never pushed me over the edge. Um, so, so my gut was because these diseases do occur very frequently, naturally, this was an, just so another natural disease. My, my thinking but, came from the fact that um, it, it emerged in a city that had a level four bio lab, and in that level four bio lab, they were specifically working on back coronaviruses. Yeah, but the, but the thing is, there's you know level four biological labs all over the world. Of course, you know, they, they, yeah. they do gain, they do gain of research uh, function gain of function research. Um, all over the world. Which shouldn't exist. You were saying? Gain-of-function research has no actual purpose and shouldn't exist. Well, it, it does, because, it, I mean, what, what it is, um, it, it's not the research itself that's that, that's that makes it good or bad, it's how it's used that yes. makes it good or bad. Well, that's, that's so, with everything, isn't it? It's like, it's not YouTube yeah. itself that's not good or bad, but they keep censoring people. Yeah, but, but gain-of-function gain research, all that is, for, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know, is um, they take any given virus, let's, let's just use influenza as, as, a, as an example, right. and they will basically make it worse and worse and worse, make it the, the strongest, the most virulent, the most deadly version of it, and that, that's the gain-of-function uh, mm-hmm. part of it. And that can be used to... Uh, look at vaccines that can be used to uh, find cures. I mean, that's what be... they're suggesting in the DARPA reports that were recently released that SARS-CoV-2 could well be is 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 an attempt yeah. to create a vaccine. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, it can be used. It can also be used for biological weapons. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not the research itself. It's it's how it's used. So um, the, the fact that they were doing gain-of-function research is, isn't the real issue. The fact that he lied about it blatantly to Congress, which is an actual you mean crime he, in the he, US. No, 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 Mike. He didn't lie because what him and the NIH did was change the definition of gain of function. 
He's been caught in so many lines. Yeah, I know he has. It's ridiculous. I mean, Ram Paul just tears him apart every single time he goes to he goes to Congress, and his only ever answer is no, Ram Paul, you're not telling the truth. Doesn't he answer the question? So that is incorrect. Fauci just actually answer the question. Yeah. Just so, so I mean, the fact that he's committed crimes. I I believe he has as well. to Congress. How has he not been arrested? How is he still in office? Why are people still listening to him? I mean, the, you know what the the reason that they they decided. So I I've I've read through these emails and and stuff like that. The reason they decided to discredit the lab leak theory and discredit people like the writers of the Great Barrington Declaration was because if people discovered that it had indeed come from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, it would undermine public trust in science in China. I don't think that's good enough to lie to the lie to the planet. I'm sorry, I don't. No, and if, if it is true that it that it that it came from from that lab, you know that should be made public. Everything should be completely completely open. It should be made public, and you know pe- people should be able to, or governments, I should say, should, should be able to take restitution for for that. Well, well, if that's I mean, it's not just about restitution, in my view, right? If you if you if... So, okay, you don't want to undermine trust in science in China. So you're going to basically cover for them so that they continue doing what they're doing and don't improve their safety. At least if yeah. at least if we, you know, if we had an honest conversation, then China could hold their hands up, say, sorry, we, we fucked up. Yes, we are going to try and make this right. But also in the meantime, there's obviously been some safety procedures that need to change. Exactly, and 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 you know that won't undermine confidence in, in science. That won't undermine confidence in China or any other country, you know, because you can have an open and honest discussion about okay, they made a mistake, accident happened, you know, but by doing everything that they're doing, they're undermining science. Absolutely, anyway. they are. They're, they're not only undermining science; they're 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 under they're undermining the trust in medicine. I would say. Yeah, trust in medicine, trust in government. You know, it's it's gone, and you know you, you can see it now. Where you know, I mean, I mean, just just take the the, the vaccine rollout for example. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, vaccine rollouts are generally difficult at the best of times. You know, I mean, I, I've been advised on vaccine various vaccines for a very long time. And you're qualified um, to uh, at least speak on this with some authority, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and, you know, as, as, as a nurse, you know, we advise on vaccines. We, we, we give information out. And, you know, every flu season when you're trying to get the, the flu vaccine rolled out, it's difficult. It's, it's not too bad in, in, the, most, um, in the most vulnerable groups, um, but getting it outside of that is generally pretty difficult. Um, for travel vaccines is another example. I advise on travel vaccines all the time. And getting people to take a travel vaccine is extremely difficult um, because you, you can give them the facts, you can give them the, the risks, you can give them the good and the bad, you can tell them all about the side effects. And a lot of the time, the 
most common response I get is it costs how much? Screw that, I'll take the risk. Um, yeah. So getting people to take vaccines at the best of times is, is relatively difficult. After this, after the way they've treated this vaccine rollout, after they've rolled roughshod over people's rights, over medical ethics, like informed consent, that's just made it ten times worse. And I mean, it's I can been... see on your website you are you 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 give COVID travel advice, um, but to what extent? A little. I've stayed away from um, from writing a lot about COVID um, advice. A lot of it, a lot of it because the, the the rules and regulations don't make any clinical sense. So I can give the clinical stuff. Um, but also because it changed so much. But I've, I've, wrote, I've written a little bit about it, yeah. So I'm, a, I'm just going to pick up on what you just said there, that the rules and regulations for travel don't make any clinical sense. Could you expand on that? Um, yeah, I mean... Only to what you feel comfortable well, with. Well, no, 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 it's, it's fine. It's, it's just a, a quite a big sort of, of topic, really. I mean, you're talking about uh, vaccines. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you've got three different types you've got your, your routine um vaccinations which most of us get from from being a baby oh yeah i'm right full through, of them right through life you know everyone gets gets these you've got your recommended vac- vaccinations things like tetanus for, for example in, in in the uk um for for travel vaccines you've got things like rabies um and other vaccinations if you if you go to something like barley yellow fever and the like that, that, that that's a different one that's yellow there, there are three uh, vac- vaccinations there's yellow fever um, meningococcal disease and polio that fall under recommended right. and also fall under the icvp the international certificate of vaccine prophylaxis and do you know what i would see i would say that um i would say that having seen the safety record um uh, and also seeing the uh, the mortality rate of some of these diseases, I think I'd quite happily just, you know, stick them in me, Doc, if I'm going somewhere that needs it. But, but that, well, that's the thing. I mean, with, with, um, with the vaccines that... I mean, I've, I've had said to me a lot of the time that, um, you know, that everyone should just have the COVID vac- vaccination. Vaccine passports are fine because we've had them for a very long time with yellow fever. And it's not true at all because they're not the same thing for, well, for two, two main reasons. Like, like you said, the, the risk of the disease um, is is very, very different. And the way the ICVP, the, the International Certificate of Vaccine Prophylaxis, is applied is very, very different as well. So um, with, the, with, the, with the three vaccinations that, that are under the ICBP, when we advise them, the the rovers it it's based on uh, risk basically. So right. um, if you take yellow fever for example, the case fatality rates of yellow fever are between fifteen and fifty percent. Yes, I'm aware. Which, yeah, and, and the disease is is very very prone to having extreme epidemic outbreaks. Yes, and you, if you compare that to uh, coronavirus or COVID nineteen. Which at the moment has got the CFR of a fraction of one percent. You just can't compare the two diseases and in terms only, of severity. You also can't compare them by the fact that one is a respiratory illness and one is a mosquito-borne illness. You know exactly. But but you know, I mean, if you, if you if you look at something like uh, meningococcal disease and polio, yeah, and um, the, the 
you can compare them much more readily. But the, the, the same rule still applies. You, you just you can't compare them in terms of severity, and you can't compare them in the way they are advised and applied, because the 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 way the ICVP is applied, it's overseen by international health organisations, international health authorities first of all, and it's applied in very very specific circumstances. Like for example, um, the meningococcal uh, and polio were applied in, in Saudi Arabia only under um, if, if people are attending the Hajj or Umrah, for yeah. example, because those mass, mass gatherings of countless people and the, the risk is raised very, very significantly for that specific uh, event. But it's not applied outside of that event. So it, it's applied very surgically in very specific ways but the, the COVID-19 vaccination or the, the vaccine passport is being applied um, universally as a blanket rule on every country. And it's not being overseen by international health authorities either. It, it, so, just, it just seems completely nonsensical to me because yeah. because at the end of the day, no matter where you go, this this respiratory illness which is now thankfully appears to be for the most part very mild um yeah. but but it seems to spread anywhere i mean we've even got a group of researchers in antarctica in a in an isolated facility that have all come down with it wouldn't surprise me it's a respiratory virus it's good it, it, you know it, it's it does what a virus does it spreads through the world it it, it has um, you know, mutation after mutation after mutation, it, it has, it, you know, it, it gets weaker and weaker and weaker. That's what viruses do. So, um, you know, and you... Let, let, this might be a personal question and you don't have to answer because I'm not a bouncer at a nightclub, but have you received your vaccinations? I will refuse to answer that on the, the only on the moral point that I've been campaigning that it is no one's right to ask that anyone. Is that is the right answer. Um, but but I, I will I will say that <laughs> as a nurse, as a traveller of over twenty years, I have received many vaccinations. Yes, I have advised on many vaccinations. So if anyone dares to call me an anti-vaxxer. I will put them down very hard and very. I mean, quick. that is that when we're talking about this subject, I I generally do ask that exact question. So I will ask it just for just for uh, the record. Yeah. Michael Huxley, are you an anti-vaxxer? I love vaccines. Of course, I'm not. I I, I think in very general terms, vaccines are a good thing. Um, I think that for the majority of the population, they uh, should be promoted. And I think that for a minority of the population, they are not right for. I mean, I'm talking about vaccines in general. You can yep. apply that to very specific vaccinations in very different ways. Um, you know, because there are some people out there who cannot clinically get a wide variety of vaccinations. And that's another thing with the, the yellow fever vaccination as well. Um, even though it's, it's recommended, um, even though that it is under the ICVP and countries do say you should have it if you're coming into the country or if you're entering this country and you're coming from a destination that 
that has yellow fever in place. Yeah. There are exemptions in place for that. If you if you clinically cannot have it for a wide variety of reasons, you are exempt from having that. You are exempt from the ICVP regulations, and there are workarounds for that. But the COVID nineteen vaccination, there isn't. The Mate, people are just, they're just Do you know what? That. I'll tell you what my biggest fear and worry about about the the SARS CoV two uh, vaccinations is um, is is that I am on an incredible amount of medications i'm on yeah. i'm on uh, opioids i'm on muscle relaxants i'm on anti-inflammatories uh, and this is daily and has been since i was 18 years old um yeah. i have seen nothing to suggest that any any bother was even made to say what 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 these things could do against the medications that I'm on and also for the state of my immune system, which is not, not good. So, yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, that's what's being found out now. And um, I will say to, and I've said this to, to everyone who's asked, you know, for, for, in very general terms, in, for, for any medication, any vaccine, you will get an extreme number of people at one end who cannot, ever have that vaccine for clinical reasons because it's more dangerous than than not well my gp get... seems to think it would be yeah and at the, at the other but end will the not extreme, issue me an exemption well the, the gmc have told them not to for to be fair on gps yeah and um, you know so, so and at, at the other end of the extreme you'll get people who are absolutely fine can take it with no problems and then the, the vast majority of people in the middle will be on a sliding scale of you, you might get some mild uh, interaction with it. You might get, you might not. I have so, a question um, here from the chat on this very very subject. Okay, it's from from a man. Uh, his name is Spencer. It's, he says for, this is for you. He says, I've had one vaccine and then since recovered from COVID that was contracted a few days afterwards. Do I have enough protection now, or should? I go and get my second, and 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 I, I would only ask that you offer personal opinion. Yeah, well, there's there's two points there. Um, the evidence at the moment is suggesting that uh, natural immunity, your 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 T cells and your immune system, is as good as, if not better, than the protection you get. From and the that's vaccine. how I see the evidence as I read it as well. But I'm not a yeah, doctor, that, I'm not a medical that, practitioner. No, that's the current evidence at the moment. So um, if you've got uh, the vaccine, uh, one, one dose of the vaccine so far, um, and you've got um, protection from that, you've got T cells and, and an immune response from having it as well, I'd say you're very well protected. Um, I'd, so, you know, if you want to get it and you, you don't suffer any side effects, you, you're not uh, on any medication that it might interact with, uh, and there's no harm in getting it. But I'd, I'd say that you've got a good level of protection there as well. So it is entirely up to you. And uh, he, um, he, says, uh, he says, please convey my thanks for the opinion. Oh, well, you're very welcome. <laughs> so, but going back to what I said, right? I, I I I'm not I'm not vaccine hesitant. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm I'm nothing of the sort. I am a very very pragmatic person who has looked at the evidence and seen 
that there's nothing to suggest that, that against my uh, current situation, any tests of any sort have been done. And all I have always said, and I've said it to my audience out loud, I've said it on these things a million times, is that I would like to see the medium to long term safety data, uh, in particular against people in my situation. And if that data is good, I would, I would personally probably take it. But I, I'm being called an anti-vaxxer for that, Michael. Look, people call me an anti-vaxxer. I'm an S, for God's sake. You know, they just throw that word out with no idea what it means. But that that is a perfectly reasonable uh, point because. Well, well, there's two things that I want to say here. Is that first of all, um, a lot of people are forgetting that no advice, no vaccination, no medication can be applied to a blanket um, population. My you point can't also. Say, oh, it, or you all can't have it. It has to be done on a very individual level. So I can say in very general terms, for example, the flu vaccine every year is in general a good thing for the the majority of those at risk and it'll be that, a good thing but some, on an individual, some years i get the flu vaccine and some years yeah. i don't because you, you, you're, you're young you're, you know you might be relatively healthy i, I don't know your individual circumstances I'm, no, so I, I'm, I've, I've got a form of ms and my immune system is screwed um and and I'm on a lot of medications. I can I can walk kind of on a walking stick, or I use a mobility scooter. And um, my 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 situation is I don't know, and that's it. Yeah. Well, with, like with with the the flu vaccine, you know that the all all of those things would raise the recommendation. Yeah, they offer it but, me every year. Yeah. So so we can recommend it, and we'll say like, okay, with, with all those things in place. You know, it's probably a good idea you get it, but we can never force you to get it. Well, no, we like never, I say, some years I do. You. So this year and yeah, last this, year, entirely, I didn't. Entirely up to you. And, and this is the thing with the COVID-19 vaccine, vaccine as well. Um, you know, people should be allowed that choice. Yes. Because to have informed consent, you have to know all of the facts. And all yes. of the facts aren't there yet. You know, like, like you said, with, with things like how they interact with different medications, all of that information is still coming in. So we don't know fully how it's going to interact with a lot of a lot of things. So all of that information is coming in, and all we can do is act on the information that is out there right now. I agree. Um, to, to make informed consent based on that is, is relatively difficult. I don't think a um, single person, but, and this might sound hyperbolic, but I don't think a single person on this planet has given informed consent. No. With the, with the level of coercion that is out there, they haven't. Because to have informed consent, for, for anyone out there who doesn't know, informed consent has to be freely given. It has to be free of coercion, of threat, of threat of punishment, of promise. It cannot be in any way coerced. If there is any hint of that, then it's not informed consent. And it's not just um, that. We can go deeper. And I, I would say that because people are not being given the, the, the negative side of the information, which there is, but because they are just being told 
everywhere they look, it's safe, it's free, it's perfectly safe, it's perfectly free, and they're not being directed to maybe the yellow card scheme, which, yes, is a self-reporting scheme, but the point that I always make is someone can't self-report their own death, so we can at least look there. But um, yeah. but but they're not being directed there. They're not being told there could be no. risk. They're, they're, and because that is being obfuscated and omitted, I don't think that they're giving informed consent. They're not. And, and you know, again, like like, mo like most medications, like most vaccines, like the. F I mean, this can be directly compared to the flu vaccine in in, in a lot of ways as well. And uh, just like it can be covered that in computer compared to influenza i've got an nhs um, worker sorry to interrupt you again but i've got an nhs oh, yeah. i've got an nhs worker in the chat who says correct and my workplace the nhs is under threat of losing my job trying to coerce me and my partner into taking this experimental non-licensed product there is no religious exemption i cannot make uh, an informed consent decision so will not that's that's coercion pure and simple coercion and what the nhs is doing is highly illegal it's highly immoral it goes against every fundamental medical ethic that we all trained under and it's i i, I can't i can't I'm, I'm getting i'm stuttering now because i can't express how angry and disgusted i am at the nhs and all i'll say to I any understand. nurse out there get out leave get out it does not deserve your martyrdom the nurse is not a profession that deserves you it, 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 this time get out i mean i would i would have said that five years ago but now he says no. here in the chat he says i am furious i no longer care about the nhs now and do you know what um i've got other sources that give me information including up to and including executive offices in in, in trusts and they all say the same thing they all say yeah. the same thing um, I, I can't imagine, I, I know people give them a hard time, right, and, and kind of rightfully so for some of the things over the past two years, but um, I can't imagine what it must be like with that pressure on you right now to, I mean, there are frontline, there are frontline doctors and nurses and, and, and more who have spent years and years and years of their life giving to the National Health Service on uh, when they could have done something like go to Australia and get a much bigger wage by the way but they yeah. but they but they stayed and they gave to the National Health Service and they worked and they worked through this alleged pandemic um, on the front line without any vaccines in their system they're probably the most immune people on the bloody planet anyway and so generally yeah. And, and and then then this is what you know people clapping them at eight pm. Remember the claps? Oh god, that, yeah. I'll get in my box with that. I hated that. Yeah, so, but, but 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 the point is, but the point is, they're just being thrown to the wayside, treated like filth, treated like dirt, being told you must comply, yeah. or you're gone. Well, to to be to be fair, and, and it's it's to be fair as well. It's it's the same for private. Uh, healthcare just as the same as the NHS. Nurses uh, and doctors have always been treated, treated ridiculously poorly. Um, I mean, the know, amount of training you guys do is just insane. Yeah, and, and everything from dangerous staffing levels to uh, the level of stress and, and 
an exhaustion. They, they put you under, they will burn you out, mm. throw you out, mm. and not give a damn about you, the NHS, and private care as well. And that's always been the case with doctors and nurses. And a lot of a lot of us know that. We worked with it, with it as much as we could until we couldn't stand it anymore and got out. Yeah. What's mm. happening now is just an extreme sort of extension of that. You know, it's it's if you didn't see how little they cared about you up until this point, you do now. Yeah. The NHS does not care for you. It, it, it doesn't care for doctors. It doesn't care for nurses. In, in private care is the same. It will use you and it will spit you out and it won't give a damn about it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I agree. I mean, it, and it seems like... Right. It seems like the country, maybe because of the propaganda, the brainwashing, the nudge unit, the country, the country are on the side of of treating them like dirt, treating them like a workhorse, treating them like something they can just use and throw away. Oh, yeah. I mean, the country will flip flop. I mean, they'll clap for us one minute and then throw us under the bus the next. They don't care. No. You know, they'll, they'll go along with whatever sheep mentality the, the mainstream media tell them to. Yeah. You know, I mean, one, one minute we're heroes, one minute, the next minute we're putting everyone in danger and we're anti-vaxxers. <laughs> so make it, make it that mind up and don't clap for us ever again. Well, well this is it. Um, so I have another question um, uh, that you, you may be able to give an opinion to. Uh, Spencer again, he asks, would vaccination in general be safer if aspiration was a standard requirement? Oh, that's a difficult one because you, you're talking about that's a very, very individual thing, and it, it will differ between very between individual patients. And I think aspiration um, it was used widely at the start of of, of the pandemic, um, and over time it was found out that there were there were better. Uh, treatments for it. Um, I, ca I can't really answer that on a, on, a, on a blanket level. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. We shall move on. So, back to travel. Um, are you travelling again? Well, at, the, at the moment, no. Um, but I, I've got... Um, I, I've travelled a few times over the last couple of years. Right. Um, and I've got, I've got a few uh, trips in the works as well. Um, I want to get back to uh, Egypt as as soon as possible. I, I, the, I uh... actually have a local friend who runs a little travel agency called Trade Wind Travel. Um, oh, I know. Yeah. And, oh, uh, I know, I know. and he is, uh, I believe he is in Egypt as we speak because yeah. the entry requirements are uh, a lot more. Uh, my, my my friend Spencer here says not ventilation, aspiration, as in aspirating the needle at the time of injection. Oh, sorry, I, I, I completely uh, misunderstood that. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the same answer still applies. It, it, it's very much an individual um, sort, sort of thing. Really. I, I, I can't answer that on a blanket level, I'm afraid. And that's that's you know if you if you if you're not comfortable answering that on a blanket level, then that's absolutely your prerogative. Um, yeah. I mean, I the, the best I can say is that um, possibly, but again, it, it would depend on on the individual patients. 
I believe there is a man called Dr. John Campbell who has gone quite deep into this um, on YouTube, in fact, and uh, he believes that aspiration would cause less adverse events because if if the needle is inadvertently putting the vaccination into a into a blood blood vessel or, or or the likes, it could cause a lot more problems than just going straight into the deep muscle tissue. Yeah. Um... I haven't seen enough evidence on that to to agree or disagree. I, I, uh, that's, that's fine. That's fine. That's that's not uh, a problem. It's, it's certainly possible, and and I think that it's it's probably worth um, further study. But I, I wouldn't know to be honest with you. So this blanket. Um, well, for the most part, it's, it isn't blanket because there are places like Egypt and Mexico and others that you can go without having had these uh, these vaccinations. But this this but this widely blanket policy, why does it not make any sense? I mean, I agree with you; it makes no sense. But why, in your opinion, does it not make any sense? Because it goes against every uh, recommendation, every um, best practice that we've had in place for decades from the health emergencies program, from international health regulations. Um, you know, it's, it's breaking international law in terms of discrimination yeah. uh, for starters. Um, you know, there's, it's breaking all kinds of, excuse me, all kinds of medical ethics uh, from informed consent to, to choice. Um, human rights law, you know, <laughs> where, 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 where do you want to, to start? It's, you know it's what? just it's I, one, I, many levels. But why do you think, uh, and this is just a pie-in-the-sky question really, but why do you think so many people, because uh, I can't get my head around this, so many people are just happy to go, yep, that's fine. I, th I think that a lot of it, is down to people want to get back to normal. They want to get back to an easy life. So they they will, when faced with that with that decision, even though that decision is heavily coerced and heavily forced, um, they'll say, well, I want my trip to Spain this year, so I'm going to get it. But do you um, agree with me? Uh, I, I, I firmly believe that the only reason we are where we are is because people kept complying with the rules. I firmly believe if non-compliance had happened at the start, none of this would be happening right now. Um, I firmly believe that you don't get out of tyranny by complying to tyranny. You just get more I tyranny. Absolutely agree. I absolutely agree with that. And I think, I mean, like I said, like I said at the start of this, I'm like, like you know, I'm a classical libertarian. Yeah. And um, that to me, is is naturally predisposed to sticking two fingers up at authority at the best of times. Um, you know, so, so you, you know, people people like us, um, we will book authority. Yeah. Um, and we'll lot. find we, ways around everything if we can. Yeah, and it's, uh, no government, no higher power has, the, has more power than my own. Uh, individuality, yes, um, in, in that respect, and, and I think for, from a public health point of view, you know that there are sometimes where a measure of um, control is needed, but it has to be proven. It has to be proven. It has to be proportionate. 
for me to accept it. And I think that, but I think the vast majority of people aren't like that. The vast majority of people just want an easy life. Yeah, and, and, and unfortunately, that is going to be our downfall. Yeah, because I mean, I, I remember years and years and years ago wondering, and I've said this a few times, uh, wondering how. Um, you know, people in Germany in the 30s allowed Hitler to rise to power. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't that the vast majority of Germans were anti-Semitic? Wasn't that the vast majority of Germans agreed with authoritarianism or agreed with any of the um, policies he, he very slowly put into place like is happening now? Yes. The vast majority of them were apathetic. They... they didn't know or didn't want to know what was going on. They just wanted an easy life and just live their life and let everything happen around them. They, until it was too- you know, it's it's the old trope, isn't it? Um, first they came for, for the Jews, but I wasn't a Jew, so I did nothing. It's it's that it's 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 a death by a thousand cuts. It's little by little, and I can see it playing out. I've been seeing it, watching it play out for the last two years. Oh, it's just it's just a mask. It's just a lockdown. It's just stand on the sticker. I mean, we have literally been socially conditioned, little by little, to just follow orders. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. And the vast majority of the population will do exactly that. They will follow orders. They will want an easy life and they will just go along with whatever gives them that. Yeah. And, you know, if, if what gives them an easy life is bowing to control or mm-hmm. having, having a vaccination, whether they want it or not, just so they can go to Spain, they'll do that. And then, and, you know, that's their free choice to do, to do that. Oh, oh, yes, but you know, but the thing is, but at the end of the day, the the governments have been allowed to get away with all of this because people complied. Governments have been yeah. allowed to get away with all of this because they're scapegoating the anti-vaxxers. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. You, you always escape. But but you know, just as you said, and I completely agree with most people will demand and get quite angry with people that are quote-unquote labelled anti-vaxxers because they want their lives back. And they think if everybody just complies, they'll get their life back. I mean, the opposite is true, but they have been yeah. conditioned to, to believe that. And then you've got people like Saji Javid who go on BBC News and say, these people are selfish, these people are the reason we can't get back to normal, these people are, and it sets the wolves on them. Yeah. If, if there was ever a man who is getting risen to physical violence, it's him. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And at the, at the end of the day, no one has the right to make that judgment on anyone because every single person has the fundamental right to choice. They have the fundamental right to informed consent. I agree. They have the fundamental right to bodily autonomy. No one can take that away. And I don't care how many times you call them selfish, how many times you call them anti-vaxxers or whatever other name you want to you make up for them. 
people still have that fundamental right and you and you, do you cannot know what they are? it goes further than that and it goes back to when i asked you if you'd been vaccinated and it go and, and that same answer that you gave is a message i put out almost every single day on twitter right done business it's none of your fucking business you've got absolutely no right to know what medications are or are not in my system and it's as simple as that and i've got no right to know what medications are in your system it is none exactly. of my business i mean i mean i i, I said to, to someone once um who stopped me in a shop without a mask she was like are you, have you got a mask are you vaccinated and just said, have you ever had an STI? When yeah. was the last time you got checked? You know, what medications are you on? When was the yeah. last time you got a smear test? It's none of my business. Those are terribly, horribly intrusive questions. The one so I like asking is how much money's in your bank account. Say again, sorry? The one I like asking is how much money's in your bank account? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a good business. People have the right to privacy, medical privacy, and, and yep. personal privacy most of all. And you know, I, th I think all of that has been forgotten. But before now, people—these th are fundamental cornerstones of our society. Yeah, these, these rights. And you know, pe people never questioned them before now, but now that they're just being ignored. Yeah, and it's—I I, I can't. I mean, I, That's I, what I, I kind of disagree with ignored. I think forgotten. Mm. Because people have been people have been programmed to believe that bodily autonomy is selfish. Yeah. It's true, though, isn't it? I mean... That, that, it's selfish. It's just... It's, it's... It's just a way to other people yes and, and that's so dangerous you're selfish we're righteous mm -hmm. you know you're an anti-vaxxer we're we're morally right because we got vaccinated no you're not you just made a choice the same as the same as you didn't else. make an informed yeah. choice though no but but that creating of that all there that's the most dangerous part of it i agree you know and 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 that is what allows a lot of this to take place. It's, that, it's, that what, it's, what, it's what allows atrocities to take place. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've seen quite a few people make the, you know, make the um, comparison to, I won't say a particular, I won't say the name, but a particular time in German history. Yep. Um, and a lot of people get really offended over that. They said, well, it didn't start with the chambers. No, it didn't. You no, know, it didn't. It, it started like this. Straight away. It started like this. It started with the the fear of God being put into the population. It started with the othering of, of one very specific group. Yep. You know, it separated society into them and us. Mm. And this is how these things progress. Yeah. This is where they start. And... If, if, if you ignore that now, we're doomed to repeat history. And, and it actually worries me where this is going. Me too. Because, you know, I mean, you, you're starting to see some narratives crumble now. Let me, let um, me, let me just, let me just give an example of, of one of the most worrying things I have seen over the last few days. And that is Novak Djokovic's deportation from Australia. 
not because yeah. of not because of any health reasons. They admit his his exemptions are valid, but because and I quote, the government barrister said in court, the we are worried that Mr. Djokovic may become an icon of free choice. That just shows how far Australia has fallen. Would you want to travel there? Say again, sorry. Would you want to travel there at the moment? Hell no. But that, that, that's that's a that's another way. It's, it, all of this is is affected my travels personally. You know, because there are some countries now where I mean, I I, I love Australia. I love I loved Australia. Uh, there are many countries that that I love and, and want to go back to. Um, but I won't go anywhere that's going to treat me like a criminal just for traveling there. You know, I, I won't go anywhere that'll treat me like that and, and say that I don't have my given rights to fundamental rights to consent and choice. I'll I'll go to Mexico instead. I'll go to Egypt. I mean, do you know, you know? if you if you want to go to the United States, all you have to do is go to Mexico for two weeks and you can cross in anyway. Yeah, just just go hop over the border. Well, I mean, you can you can even fly. So as long as you've spent two weeks in Mexico, you can then cross into the United States, no matter what your vaccination status is. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing. It's it's absolutely ridiculous because that makes no sense, does it? If we can't, if you can do that from there, why not from here? Exactly, because that's the thing that these rules that they're putting in place. You know, first of all, every every Tom Dick and Harry's making up the wrong rules as they go along. The airlines are making up the wrong rules. Oh yes. Every government's making up the wrong rules. You know, all the rules are different depending on where you go and how you get there. Uh, they're not applied equally. You know, that they're not applied in any way that makes any sense whatsoever. There are so many loopholes and very questionable legal uh, choices being made. It's it's like how we how how is this even how are they even getting away with this? You know, because I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I'm I'm, I'm all for sovereign states making. We know how energy. they're getting away with it, and it's exactly as you said. It's because people want to go on their holidays. Yeah, and you know, every country has the fundamental right to to, to make sovereign decisions. I completely agree with that. But at the end of the day, they still have to apply. Um, with, with international law, with international health this rules. Is, this is breaking those, isn't it? It's breaking international yeah, health absolutely. regulations and it's breaking international absolutely. law. Human rights legislation. I mean, even the... Uh, I remember before... Um, when, the, when the vaccines were first starting to come in, before uh, the first vaccine was given, the EU Parliamentary Assembly uh, had its... It came out with a report on the ethical legal and uh, practical considerations of, of a vaccine rollout. And this included uh, vaccine passports as well. And in resolution 7.3 of that report, it said very specifically, and, and this is the same as, as all um, medical ethical principles, that um, no vaccine can be forced on an individual. It can, people have to have informed consent and I'm paraphrasing here, um, and it cannot be um, that informed consent can't be threatened in any way. It can't be um, coerced. They can't have it. They can't have any sanctions on them, and they cannot be punished if they choose not to. This is the EU's own report, the EU's own resolution. 
And yet, when the vaccines came out, they ignored that and broke every single word of it mm-hmm. by forcing on people, by coercing them. Um, it's 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 just it's wrong. <laughs> you know, they they know they're breaking the laws. They know they're breaking the rules. They which, know they are. Which leads me to my next question, and uh, I don't know the answer to it. By the way, it's how do we fix this? I wish I knew. Beyond uh, beyond armed revolution, I don't know. But, but I really don't know because I, I think I think I am seeing glimmers of hope um, because there are narratives that are falling apart right now, and yeah. um, the the media are starting to. I mean, I, I wrote an article right at the start of this in February, uh, twenty twenty on how to travel safely with this new pandemic. Right. And that based very much on the advice from what I knew from uh, pandemic uh, response protocols, from yeah. infection prevention control protocols, on how to travel with viruses like this. And if you look back at that and look at what the mainstream media is now saying, oh, we this is what we've just discovered, exactly the same. So, you know, despite everything that's happened in the last two years, the, the mainstream media is, start, or some of it is starting to come around and thinking, hold on a minute, you know, maybe... Why now, gonna... though? Um, and, I, and I think as, as well, on top of that, you are getting countries like uh, Mexico, like Egypt, like, um, you know, other parts of the world that are starting to drop all of the restrictions. And... Um, you know, even even the UK government is saying that you know at the end of the month we have to drop the restrictions, and they're starting to sort of that there are glimmers of hope where I could start I could sort of see these things are, are no longer justifiable. Yeah, and everyone is starting to realise that now, but there is still a long, long way to go on that. And I think that may be the logical conclusion to this conversation. Um, Before I do let you go, though, first of all, I want to thank you, man. This has been a brilliantly illuminating and enlightening conversation. It's been an absolute absolute breath of fresh air. Um, I would love to invite you to join me again at some point, because I think there's more we can unpack here. Um, Yeah, definitely. definitely. I'm always talking about travel. But um, before I let you go, please tell everybody where they can find you and your work. Um, well, they can find uh, my site at bemusedbackpacker.com. I'm on Twitter at bemusedbackpack. Uh, I'm also on uh, TikTok and YouTube on uh, the same, uh, same name channels as well. Brilliant. Michael Huxley, I am going to boot you from this conversation before I wrap up the show. But... Um, yeah. One second, I, I I still can't really work Google Meet all that well, but it, it, it's 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 a good it's a good resource. I like using it, but I am gonna let you go from this stream now. And once again, man, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. It's been a brilliant conversation. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, man. Right, um, I will talk to you again very soon. I'll see you soon. Uh, bye for now. You oh, please work out how to do this. <laughs> okay.
I just want to thank you all for joining us uh, for this this Descent Media interview. So if you have been watching on YouTube, this will be removed from the platform because despite the fact I'm talking with a qualified nurse practitioner, it's just going to be too spicy. So if you want to watch it back in full, then please uh, do so at twitch.tv forward slash Descent Media or at my YouTube channel, which is YouTube dot, not YouTube, Twitter channel, sorry, Twitter account, which is twitter.com forward slash disabled journo. Um, if you are able to support me in the work I do, then please uh, feel free to chuck a little donation to any of the links in the chat there, paypal.me forward slash wheeliebricks. It keeps all of this going. Um, and I really, really appreciate the help. I will be back here live again at 8 p.m. tonight uh, with Davey of Peace Officers UK for an episode of Peaceful Descent. Uh, honestly, guys, this was this was a brilliant one. Um, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed the conversation with, with Mike, and I do hope to have him back again soon. So thank you for watching this one. I will indeed speak to you all in the next one. Bye for now.